This message was presented at the GYC 2015 conference called Chosen Faithful in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Happy Sabbath. What's a week? Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Loving Father, we come before your presence this afternoon to your throne of grace. We thank you that it is a place of refuge. Father, as I share what you have done in my life, I humbly ask that not I, but Christ, be seen, be heard, be known, is my humble prayer in the loving and precious name of my Savior and my Redeemer, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I want to humbly thank God for this opportunity he has given me to share what God has done in my life, to share of his glory, his praises, his faithfulness and goodness to me, a sinner. I can only share my testimony as it centers around the most sacred book in the world and throughout all the seasons, ages of eternity. And so before I start my story, I would like us to turn to a couple verses that I consider personally as anchor verses in my life. The first of which is Isaiah chapter 60, verses 10. Isaiah 60, verse 10. And this is the verse that actually God grabbed my attention as I began my intense personal journey. The word of God says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. I, my soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. The second verse is Isaiah chapter 43, verses 3 and 4. Again, this is an anchor verse in my life that God has revealed to me more and more that has value. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 3 and 4. For I, the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior, I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable and I have loved thee, therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. And the last verse of many others, but this is another third anchor verse for me, is 2 Peter chapter, two, verse, chapter 1, verse 1. 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Once I get there. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. By trade, I am a nurse, but really I am a follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. And I want to thank him for the experiences that he has given me. When I was a little girl, I remember thinking to myself, I want to be a missionary when I grow up. I want to give my life for the sake of the gospel. Little did I know how God would shape and curve my life to where I am today. I'll share a testimony with you of a recent experience that I had in the hospital. I was taking care of this gentleman. He was 93 years old, very sharp intellectually. He had actually just retired at the age of 92. He was a full-time businessman, but he decided that he needed to slow down so that he can also focus more on the ministry that God had called him to, which is praying for people. And so this day that I was taking care of him, Unfortunately, he had suffered from a mild stroke and a decision needed to be made. Would it be worth it to have a, a surgical procedure to help clear the clot that had developed in one of his arteries on his neck? Or would it be just to let him be and then whatever happens, happens? And um, so this was, I entered into his room and we we're talking about the plan of care and 
Uh, as a man of God, I, I was so grateful that he trusted and believed that God would do what is right for him. And I rejoiced with him and I said, praise the Lord, you believe in the God of heaven who is able to answer prayers. And right before the end of my shift, I did not know whether I'd take care of him the next day. So um, I'm so grateful that God gives us opportunities all the time to share with people a word of hope in due season. And so I told him, I have a promise for you. And he said, what is that? And I turned to the book of Isaiah. You'll find out that Isaiah is my favorite book in the Bible. In Isaiah 46, verse 4, and I gave him this promise, and even to your old age, I am he, and even to the, to the whore hairs will I carry you. I have made, and I will bear, even I will carry, and will deliver you. And so I said goodnight to him, I left. I uh, didn't know what the next day would bring. The next day comes, I am given him as my patient, and which I was very thankful for and honored to be able to take care of a 94-year-old. And while I was taking care of him that day, the surgeon, uh, the family was leaning toward doing the surgical procedure, So, but the surgeon needed to explain to him exactly what would be done and the outcomes or side effects of the surgery or the complications rather. And so while we are discussing and I'm standing there in the room silently listening to what the surgeon is telling him, uh, he explains the procedure and then explains the, the complications as well as the benefits of having the procedure and then the family is all silent you can hear a pin drop in the room and i'm standing there looking at him and just silently praying that god would give the family the right uh, understanding of what they needed to do and i was not expecting this but the patient turns around and looks at me and he says vera what do you think i should do and my eyes and my jaw just dropped to the, almost to the ground thinking, he's just asking me after the surgeon has explained to him what he should do and the fam family has not decided what they're going to do. And at that moment I prayed, I said a quick prayer up to heaven and I said, Father, give me wisdom to know what to tell this man. He's 94 years old. I have not even lived to be that long. What wisdom do I have? And he um he says yes please share what what do you think i should do and god gave me these words to him he said i told him i said sir you're a man of god you're a man of prayer i can tell you've walked with god for a long time i believe that by praying god will give you the answer and sure enough by the grace of god they made a decision they decided that they were going to do the surgical procedure and by god's grace this man is a living miracle because the procedure that he had done at his age and the, some of the complications, he would not have survived. Now, why do I share this testimony? It is because when I thought that I wanted to be a missionary somewhere in the world, I did not know how God was going to do this. Well, my story really starts a hundred years ago where two missionaries, both from the North America, decided that they were going to leave everything and come to Africa. And um, my grandfather from my mom's side, he was working in a tea farm and he hears a knock on the door, uh, he opens the door, there's a call porter and Bible worker standing at his door asking him, do you know about the Bible Sabbath? Well, my grandfather happened to be reading a Bible at that time in his life and he said, no, I don't know about the Sabbath, but I've heard of it. And I don't know how to keep the Sabbath and I don't know what to do. And so this call porter began sharing with him. Uh, soon enough, my grandfather worked for a tea farmer and uh, he decided that he was going to keep his Sabbath the very first, the next week. And so he said, can I please have my Sabbath off? Well, the tea farmer who was the owner of this uh, tea farm said, no, there is no way that you can keep the Sabbath and work here. So my grandfather from my mother's side uh, decided that he was going to quit working and sure enough the next week came the sabbath came and he did not show up to work and that was the end of his career as far as working for this tea farmer only to work for the greatest person in the universe which is god and so he became a full-time minister of the gospel though he never went to a bible college or anything like that um, and he started working with his people they're the kalenjin people 
uh, teaching them, preaching the gospel. Then my dad's father, which I'll share later on a little bit more about this man that I met here in America, he as well was, uh, uh, he planted fruits. And this missionary from America in the early 1900s decided that he was going to leave everything and come to Africa. And so went to my grandfather to buy fruit. And it was at that time that they developed a relationship and my, the missionary started sharing with my grandfather about the health message and things about healthful living. And then the door was open and in six months, this missionary learned fluently the Kisi language and was able to communicate very well with my grandfather and many other people in the home village. The commitment both grandfathers made to raise their families to believe the teachings of the Bible as Seventh-day Adventists has greatly impacted me and my siblings and my parents. And so my grandparents raised our parents and then my dad and my mom uh, come into the picture. They also met and uh, got married and have five children. I am two of five. And it was their decision as well that they would choose to remain faithful to the teachings of the scriptures. My grandmother, my dad's mother, was very influential as well in my life. I remember at a very young age, she'd wake up very early in the morning, and because I have my name, which is Mora in Kisi, uh, she would wake me up and she'd say, Vera, Vera, wake up. And she'd always, she had arthritis on her back and she always wanted me to rub her back with some lotion. And I used to get so frustrated thinking, Lord, why does she wake me up? There's two other sisters and out of the two, she's always waking me up. But God knew that I needed to see that example of a woman who prayed because later on God would encourage me to experience him through a journey of prayer as well and love to spend time with God in prayer. I would like at this time to take a moment to really thank missionaries who have chosen to give their life to service. Um, you have no idea how greatly impacted the lives of many are. I am a witness as a result of many of the sacrifices of missionaries. I am indebted to the call that now I myself see myself as a missionary here to the America, the great America. To the call porters and Bible workers, I really praise God that this work, though it is hard, I, there's a song that I learned once somewhere where it says that even if it is hard, heaven is cheap enough. It's worth the effort. So as life is going on in, um, in, in Kenya, I'm growing up, um, learning more about Jesus. At, at home, my parents had made the decision that morning and evening prayer time was very important. So every morning we would have morning worship and in the evening we'd have evening worship no matter how late it was, no matter how early it was. My parents really made that a point. And the reason why is they always told us that before you go out there in the world, we need to bind you to the altar of prayer. And they'd always encourage us that throughout the day, it was this atmosphere of keeping prayer as part of our lives that would keep us faithful and would enable us to be encouraged with whatever trials and challenges that we would face. And so I remember thinking, wow, Lord, you know, uh, one time my brother actually happened to him he, we were going to be late to school, but again, because my parents had pledged that morning and evening prayer was something that they would choose to carry out in our home, we would end up being late. And my brother pleaded and he said, Daddy, Daddy, but we're going to be late for class. And my dad said, well, if you had woken up the time that I woke you up, then you would not be late and we'd still be able to have family worship. And sure enough, we got late and we got punished in school, but we learned that morning prayer is something very important. We also learned in childhood the love and character of God. And I really want to encourage parents that something that was so beautiful that my parents did was they just simply showed us the practical truths about the gospel. At home, they lived the life that they lived. And in public, they also lived the life they, they did. It was a consistent reflection of the love of Jesus. I'm not saying in any way that my parents are perfect parents, but what I do love is they constantly pointed us 
to the character of the loving God that we serve. They also encouraged us that if we wanted to spend eternity with Jesus, that we would have to forsake our sins. And I remember as a little girl thinking that, wow, if, if I do not see the face of Jesus, it is because my sins will have kept me away from him. And that was something that was so important because I remember one evening, particularly running into my room and pleading with God and asking him to please give me victory over sin. Though I was a child, I did not understand the deep theological um, complexities of the, the science of salvation, but I did know something, that when I did something wrong, it was sin. But when I did something good, it was the right thing. And so I remember thinking, wow, Father, please change my heart, change my heart. And at this time, I'd just like to be a little transparent with you. I remember as a little girl, I struggled with pride. And not because there was anything special about me, but I do know that we all have different tendencies, and that was an issue that I struggled with deeply. And I would ask the Lord all every night to please give me victory over pride. One of the things that the Lord really did was revealing to me, as my parents would read stories to us from Uncle Arthur, was the story about the two Carolines. Some of you may be familiar, but this little girl, she had one personality at home and then at school she had another personality and i remember while my parents would read that story i'd think wow father that is me i am one one way this way and then one way this way and i'd constantly be asking god to give me the victory over this experience to change my heart i remember how i struggled so much with disobedience my parents would tell me one thing because i was so strong-willed and I'd always reason with my dad or my mom and say, well, why do I have to do it that way? There's a different way of doing it. And friends, it's so beautiful to know that even as a little child, God is willing to give us victory over these little things that we struggle with. And as we grow older, if we've not learned to overcome them, they become deeper and deeper roots that we struggle with. But I thank God that my parents persistently consistently shared with us how Jesus is able to save. Jesus is able to give us the victory. And so they'd always point us back to the scriptures. They'd always pray with us about the struggles that we had. And so throughout the years growing up in Kenya, such a carefree life, um, you know, happy. It was wonderful growing there until there was a war in the Middle East which shaped and curved events in the African continent. It is the Gulf War. And I remember that time that um, my dad was working and things were pretty peaceful for the most part in the country of Africa, I mean country of Kenya, until that war happened. And we do not realize how interconnected the world is. We are so connected. And one event in one country can actually shape and impact the lives of people in a different country. And that's what happened to us. It was at that time that the economy of Kenya started going downhill, and soon uh, the word and the news was they were going to start laying off people who were much older. Well, my dad wasn't that old. We were all little kids, and so they started laying off in, uh, individuals like him, and he was in his late 30s. And so my mom turns around and says, well, you need to find jo a job. You need to find something that we can maintain as a family. And the last thing that my dad ever thought was coming to America. And it, interestingly enough, at that time during around the Gulf War, um, many of the baby boomers were retiring and we were starting to see an increase in need for occupational therapy, rehabilitation services. Um, my dad, by trade, was an occupational therapist. And so the opportunity came for him to have this job in America. Well, he comes here and we remain in Kenya for a couple of years. And we're praying, asking the Lord to open the doors for us as a family to come and be with my dad. My, uh, by God's grace, uh, the Lord opened up doors and we were able to come. And at the time when we came to America, I was 14 years old. And uh, such an interesting time period to come when you're a teenager. But I want us to turn to a, a chapter in the Bible in Acts chapter 17, verse 26. 
that really later on God would help us understand even how and why he would bring us here to this country. Acts chapter 17 verse 26 and 27 and hath made of one blood all nations of all men for to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times before anointed and the bounds of their habitation and this is the reason why that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from us I do believe with all my heart God uses migration so that he can shift events in our lives to seek after him it was when we came here to America and the changes that happened that God would open the door for me to really begin to grow in him uh, when we came here I like I said I was a teenager I went to an Adventist Academy and it was such a blessed time because uh, though it was very foreign uh, going to school with girls and guys in one school that was totally different because in the British system usually it's girls alone and guys alone and so I was not used to that kind of interaction but I praise God for the school that I went to in Platte Valley Academy in Nebraska very humble people very loving and so I quickly adapted to the American culture and it, throughout the years there I had very influential um, teachers who guided me into loving God more um, but during my senior year I remember it was at that time for whatever reason my dad had wanted me to play the piano and so I was like all right but I really wanted to play the guitar and um, I was like fine I'll, I'll, I'll do this daddy you know and so I started playing the piano and I'm practicing but I decided I was like because I really like being outdoors and I, I really was very adventurous growing up and played a lot of soccer I decided that I wanted to play basketball so I joined the basketball team which was good it was good exercise but at this point I want to say something friends I believe with all my heart that sports to some extent cultivates a spirit of self-glorification and innocent as sometimes they are there's a spirit of competition that the enemy can capitalize on and that's really where a shift in my walk with God started um, I, I joined the basketball team and then school was going well I was having a good time growing in Christ but something was also happening in my heart I was becoming very again the issue that I struggled with as a child pride was becoming was starting to come back again and because of natural abilities that God has given me but placed in the wrong place they're not good um, very determined and very the ability to push through and get things done I, I, I became a good basketball player and by my senior year when I was graduating I decided that hey since I was able to join the basketball team I think when I go to college I want to play basketball and I decided that I wanted to stay at home so I would go to a public college and which I did but I decided as well that I was going to uh, trial for the the college basketball varsity team and that's something that's unheard of usually they go coaches go and recruit students to play for them uh, but I walked in I told the coach uh, I want to play for your team and he asked me how I did in high school and I mean it was an Adventist school so it wasn't really a top-notch school uh, that you would say but um, he saw something and so he was like sure come on in and so he opened the doors for me to start playing with the, with the team and at that time um, I, I was averaging about a f three to five hours a day practicing training working out and it was super intense and when I say intense it really is because we'd wake up at five in the morning and do our run for about one and a half hours and then in the gym for another one and a half hours and then scrimmage in the afternoon and then we'd work out in the in the evening before uh, the day was done and I began to see a little spiral my life was beginning to start I would say my parents had advised me Vera you really shouldn't be playing basketball and I was like well they're gonna give me the Sabbaths off and I can be able to go to church you know and they they, they reasoned with me but again some of the issues that I had struggled with in childhood came up again and I was like no it's going to be okay I'm gonna have a good time I'll be able to witness people will get to hear about Jesus and praise God people did get to know about the Sabbath but 
self-exaltation and pride were again arising in my heart. And when the Sabbath would come, because basketball season is usually during the winter time, the sun sets, and so I was like, well, I'll be able to go and play after Sabbath or watch the team. So the coach decided actually, since I'd walked in, that I would redshirt. And what redshirt means is you sit on the bench for a year and then the next year you play. And I was, I was fine with that, but you know, something was also happening with my devotional life. It was spiraling. I had started compromising. I was like, oh yeah, my parents have morning and evening worship, so that's my devotional time. And you know, it's not a big deal. We'll, we'll, Lord, you're with me. And it was a slippery slope, just like Pastor Mark Finley shared earlier on. And I thank the Lord that in the midst of this whole experience, my teammates were like super excited that I was in the team and um, they'd always be excited that I could still come to the basketball games after sundown because I didn't go on Friday, but on Sabbath after the sunset, I used to go and join them during the games. And then something happened one day during scrimmage. Um, I was playing with the, the, the team and I go up to reach for the ball and the next thing I land on the ground, uh, have a total knee injury, which would help, which would end up putting me throughout the entire season out of practice. Well, God used that experience and I thank him now. I really thank him. Every day I'm reminded by the scar of the power of God to deliver me from this uh, spiraling event, life event. And it was at that time that I started spending time with the Lord and I was thinking, wow, where is my life going? Here I am, I can't play, I can't do anything, I can barely walk to school. But God was using this experience to turn my heart back to Him again. And friends, I was so excited because it was at this time that the Lord opened my eyes to see that I can start doing other things with such passion for Him. And so I started, I got more involved at the local church. Uh, we started having very early morning prayer in the morning and in the evening with church members, praying for missing church members to come back. We started seeing sick people being healed as we were praying. Um, a lot of missing members started coming back. There was more unity. And as the Lord began opening my eyes to this experience, I started returning my heart to Him. Fast forwarding, uh, my senior year in college, so I'm not playing basketball anymore. Um, and I'm back busy in school studying to be a nurse. And my senior year in college, the reality hits. Soon I'll be done. Soon there'll be a job. Then what next? And I thank God for this question that the Holy Spirit put in my heart during my senior year. It started with a question, why am I a Seventh-day Adventist? Why do I believe what I believe in? Does it really matter? Am I an Adventist just because this is the only message I have heard from birth? Or is truth as revealed in the Bible upon which a Seventh-day Adventist believe relevant and practical in today's world for me? Can I trust the express word of the living God of heaven and earth as the only truth? Why am I called to be an Adventist? Lightning flashes like across into my mind and the verse comes what shall a man gain if he what shall what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away as i'm musing upon these thoughts as a little girl i had seen a book called christ our righteousness in my dad's library and i was always fascinated by the word righteousness and i thought what is this big 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 word and nobody could really explain it to me when i was little but that seed had been planted and the Lord takes me back. And then I remember my senior year in high school, we were doing Bible class and we were using the book by Mark Finley called Revelation Speaks as our study guide. And I, I, I got an A in the class. It was a Bible study. So it was a simple thing, but I did not take advantage when I was in high school to absorb the truth that it was personal. But God works in miraculous ways because he brought me full circle. So I pick up that book Mark Finley, uh, that Mark Finley wrote, Revelation Speaks. And then I realize the beauty of Christ, our righteousness, through the book of Revelation. I start studying the sanctuary message, uh, start realizing the beauty of the character of God. And then as this journey continues, I'd spend hours. So the hours that I was spending playing basketball, 
I would spend with God in the Word. I closed all my school books. I was like, forget the school books. Well, not literally, but I did in a, to some extent because as I started spending more time in the Word, all of a sudden when I was in class, my mind was just so sharp. I could remember everything that the teacher said. When, when we took exams, I really didn't study for exams my senior year because the Word of God became so meaningful to me that I preferred studying it. And I did study a little bit the other books, but what I'm trying to share with this was God enabled me to see the beauty of seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. Um, at this time, I would like to share a quote which should come up on the screen that was really powerful as I was discovering the beauty of um, Christ's righteousness. In Southern Watchmen, June 11, 1903, um, this is what the word of the pen of inspiration says, holiness is constant agreement with God. Amen? This was such a beautiful quote to read because then I began to realize when I agree with God, as I'm walking with God in my journey, this is what holiness is. It's just, can two walk together except they be agreed? So the Bible became more meaningful to me as I discovered that when God says this, yes, I will follow. When he says that, I will go there. When he says, don't do this, I don't do it because I am agreeing with the mind of God. It was at that point that I made the decision that I wanted to be a follower of Jesus Christ. The scales began to drop from my eyes and I began to see more clearly the beauty of the, the, the work that Christ does on my behalf. I believe that comprehending the righteousness of Jesus is the route to accepting the call to be, to follow the Lamb of God. The reason why I choose and the reason why I choose to follow the Lamb and the motivation to remain faithful to Him. Influenced by the writings and teachings of Paul, I pleaded for an experience like that of Paul where he would go around encouraging the churches. And I thank the Lord that He would give me this experience later on. And friends, as I was journeying with God and discovering the beauty of Christ's righteousness through the sanctuary message, I remember realizing also that God loves for us to come with, to him with the struggles that we have. I don't have time to go through all the Bible verses, but you can write them down. Psalm 37, 23, and 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him by his hand. Micah 7, 7 through 9. Micah 7, 18 and 19. And then... Psalm 130, verse 3 and 4. If thou, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayst be feared. Recognizing the righteousness of Christ gave me the strength every single time. And even to this day, when I struggle with things that are tempting in my life, to know that the righteousness of Jesus is able and capable of giving me the victory. I praise the Lord for that. In a quote, uh, Testimonies of the Church, Volume 7, it says that if you make a mistake, turn your defeat into victory. The lessons that God sends will always, if well learned, bring help in due time. Put your trust in God. Pray much and believe, trusting, hoping, believing, holding fast the, arm, the hand of infinite power, you will be more than conquerors. Amen? So I graduate from nursing school. I start working. Um, I decided that the, what I really loved doing was working in the intensive care unit. And it was quite an intense experience to say the least because I worked in a trauma center where uh, we got all the traumas that you can imagine. But it was also in that place that God really helped me understand my dependence upon him to really minister to people who are in very traumatic situations. And I want to encourage you, friends, that, you know, it is sometimes when you're in places where you think that you are not capable of doing something, how God is able to take our weaknesses. And I did not think I was adequate enough to take this work as an intensive care unit nurse, 
But it was in that place that God helped me realize the power of making right decisions. Because many times in life, we do things that cause us, like in the hospital, when you come, there are traumatic experiences and choices and decisions that people make. And so God used this experience to help me understand also the value of making right choices. One of the things that I really have learned as I take care of patients is the value of prayer. And, you know, when you see somebody almost dying, there is no better time to be able to witness to them about a God who is close to them. One particular instance, um, I got a call from the floor that they told me, Vera, you're going to be getting this really critical patient who's going to need emergency intubation. And I say to prayers like, God, give me the wisdom to know how I will take care of this patient. And when the patient comes in, I not only am I taking care of the patient, but I'm also dealing with family. They're very emotional and stressed out and very concerned and rightfully so as well. Uh, but the Lord has been giving me all this wisdom throughout the years as I've been learning, um, not only about him, but the work that he desires to do in their lives. And I remember just pleading with God to help me minister to the whole family. Um, as I took care of them, they became very close, attached to the point when a decision needed to be made, what they needed to do with their father. I was not working that day, but um, they called me at home and they say, Vera, we want you to tell us what to do with our dad. And I thought to myself, Father, they talked to the doctors and they're calling me at home. This is breaching, uh, you know, the, the confidentiality of working in the hospital and being away from the hospital. Uh, but I thank the Lord because it was when they finally decided that they would let go of their father. I was there that day to take care of their father. And I remember just letting them know and encouraging them that there is heaven awaiting them. And that soon one day there'll be no more pain and sorrow. And so I take out my phone and I play for them a song by Jennifer Lamountain, No More Night. And as they were listening to that song, and as the patient was listening to that song, he died listening to the promise that there's coming a day where there will be no more night. Um, fast forwarding in my life, um, as I was praying about being a missionary when I was a child, didn't know that God would allow me to be a missionary as a nurse, but not only as a nurse, but to live a life that is consistent of full-time ministry. Um, I had moved to Arizona where my brother was at that time and um, a call came for me to help out with literature work in the Arizona conference. And so I decided that I'm going to go ahead and do this. And the point that I want to bring out about the blessing of pain and trials in the midst of accepting the call, when I accepted the call to do full-time ministry with Arizona conference and at the same time be working full-time, um, it was not long after that that I got diagnosed with a brain tumor. And I remember thinking to myself, Father, I know what this looks like because I've taken care of patients who've come. They're normal one day and the next day their life just changes. And my life just passed by in front of me. This tumor could grow and all these different things just racing in my mind. And again, the word of God is our only firm foundation, friends, because there's a promise in Psalm 31 verse 15 where it says that the psalmist cries out and he says, my time, my life is in your hands. And it was at that moment that I made the decision that even though I had been diagnosed with a brain tumor which was inoperable and which could continue to grow and which could cause me to be blind as well as uh, deaf, if the tumor continued to grow, that I was like, Lord, it's all in your hands. I am yours. And I realized that as I committed my life to God, the peace that he gave me, and he, I still have the tumor, and I still deal with some of the side effects, but I thank God that he gives me the strength and the grace. When I'm weak, then he is strong. The key lesson that I have learned, two things. God does not afflict. In Job 37, verse 23, it is very clear in the great controversy that God does not afflict. And that it is also through prayer that God has strengthened my experience because every time when I'm so overwhelmed, I, I come to him through prayer because I can talk to him and I can express my heart to him. Um, what have I been called to? Simply this, a life of service, 
a life of sacrifice for the sake of Christ. Wherever God sends me, with whomever God places me in ministry with, and for however long. A quote that has really encouraged me as I have been journeying is in Desire of Ages, page 250. There is no limit to the usefulness of one who, putting self aside, makes room for the working of the Holy Spirit and lives a life wholly consecrated to God. It is God has called me to taking personal ownership to the message of Christ our righteousness and personal responsibility to serving God and the work that he has said before me. And he continues to give me this as my call. Also recognizing where there's a need, what am I called to? Friends, we are called to recognize the needs of others. Um, he's also called me to serve in the local church community in the local church, in the community, at home. One of the issues that I struggled with, like I mentioned at, uh, when I was a little child, was I had these two identities. There was two Veras. I, I praise the Lord that he has given me the victory in this area in my life where I see everybody the same. My parents, my siblings, everybody. They're the same to me. They're brothers and sisters in Jesus. And I thank the Lord that each one of us can have that experience as well. Um, one of the things that I want to leave before I finish sharing my testimony is the reason I accept the call is because Jesus is my creator and redeemer. The reason God chooses me is because of the infinite price he has paid on my life. There's a video that I watched uh, last year and actually was featured uh, last year at GYC called Am I Worth Really Something? And I encourage you, go to YouTube and watch it. It's really powerful. And even share it with your friends. Recognizing our worth, friends, is key to accepting the call that God has for our lives. Recognizing the value that he has placed upon you. As I have experienced this, friends, it has given me such joy to know that I am accepted by the God of the universe, that because of the price that he has paid for my life, there is infinite value to my life, but to every single individual's life. What about the faithfulness? When I think about faithfulness, this is the verse that I shared at the beginning. It is because of the righteousness of Jesus that I am able to be faithful. God's faithfulness is the one and only thing that can keep us in the call and can enable us to experience the power of the value that we have in him. We are faithful because God remains faithful. And God calls us as well to endure. There's this promise in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10, where it says, Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Uh, one quote that has really encouraged me uh, from Christ's Object Lessons, page 363, but when we give ourselves wholly to God and in our work follow his directions, he makes himself responsible for its accomplishment. He would not have us conjuncture as to the success of our earnest endeavors. Um, throughout my couple years of working as a nurse, I decided one summer that I would take off and go into full-time call portering for three months. And friends, I'm so thankful that when we make the decision to follow the call that God gives to us, God gives us the success in our daily experiences. And many times we may not think of it the way we may have ideas of what success looks like. But when God has asked us to do something, like the quote says, he makes himself responsible for it. And I've experienced that throughout the years. So for the last several years, every summer, I take off from work and I go do mission work, uh, doing canvassing. And right now I'm in the Spoken area with a little church plant doing medical missionary work. The testimony of a life lived is to be a present continuous, not one just of the past of what God has done, but what through the power of the Holy Spirit continues to do and will do by faith. As I grasp on to the righteousness of Jesus by faith, we each can have a story. Um, we each can have a story of God's power working in our lives. 
The question that remains, when the Son of Man shall come, will he find faith? Will I, Vera, remain called, chosen, and faithful? To what account will my life be? As a song will be sung here shortly, the question that I have for you and I, I don't know what your personal life story is, and I praise God that one day I'll get to hear your stories as well in eternity of how God has called you, how he has chosen you, and how you have chosen to remain faithful to the Lamb. But I pray that this promise in Revelation chapter 17, verse 14, that says, These shall make war with the Lamb. And the war with the Lamb is found in Isaiah 42, 9, where we make war with the Word of God. Will we, will we follow the Lamb? Will we allow him to be our King of kings and Lord of lords? Will my life, will your life be as due from the Lord? I pray that as this song is sung, find us faithful, that you may personally choose to be called, to be chosen, and to remain faithful. Oh, 
You may be listening on the internet or you're here at GYC. My appeal, no, actually not my appeal. God's appeal to you and me is, do I accept the call because I believe that God is my personal creator and personal redeemer? Do I accept that you and I are chosen by an infinite God because of the infinite price he has paid? Do I accept to be faithful because God is faithful, because he cannot deny him himself? If this is your desire, please join me as we pray. Loving Father, I thank you that you are faithful. I thank you that your righteousness is like the great mountains, as the psalmist said. Father, I thank you that you choose us because of the value that you have put on us. In Isaiah it says, because you are honored, because you are precious, because I have loved you. Father, I plead and I ask in this last time of earth's history that all of us may accept this call to follow the lamb to be called to be chosen and to be faithful thank you precious jesus that it is through your righteousness that we can experience your power and your grace in our lives we commit ourselves into your hands in jesus name we pray amen This message was recorded at the GYC 2015 conference called Chosen Faithful in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.